Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, and I have a treat for us all today. This fella is an absolute treasure trove of knowledge in cash flow and assets. He is a real estate investor, a public speaker, and just an all-around great guy. Please welcome to the show, Dan Costantino. Dan, welcome. Thank you very much, Sam. I really appreciate you having me on. My man, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. Now, I was lucky enough to catch one of your real estate events uh, maybe a month or so ago, and uh, I learned uh, a lot of useful uh, useful information. And as somebody in the in the real estate industry, it's nice to be able to go to something like that. So I wanted to bring you on and uh, and have you kind of tell your story uh, a little bit, how you transitioned from uh, a corporate job into the entrepreneurial life and how you built the, uh, the real estate company that you've got today, man. So... Go for it. Tell us who you are, man. Certainly, man. I'm a, I'm a little kid born and raised in Pittsburgh. Um, kind of grew up some you know humble beginnings like many of us. Uh, never dreamed of owning real estate. Right. My goal was to get out of the city by just getting a good job. And, and uh, you know, it's funny. I like to tell the story. I used to have a, my passwords all had like two million into it. I thought I would have made it if I had <laughs> if I had made two million dollars over the life of my career. Right. So. Right. Um, I was, I'm pretty sure the first one to graduate college, you know, mm-hmm. um, in my family and, um, yeah, just grew up in the inner city, kind of had a chip on my shoulder, had to figure stuff out for myself because there wasn't many people that I could look to that had that success that I was aspiring. I just did, didn't know how to get there. And, and, uh, there were a couple key people in my life that helped spark some things. And I always knew that I would, would one day be successful in, in my eyes. And I was even in the corporate world, um, but I never really saw where we are ending up right now. But um, yeah, spent about 17 years in corporate America and got the bug to try some investing and, and we ended up in real estate and I'm ha- happy to do it. <laughs> so that's like the the condensed version of the story. So did oh, yeah, you- There's a lot to it. <laughs> uh, hey, I mean, we got an hour to fill. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Are we just going to talk about real estate investing the whole time? Um, I want I want Dan to tell his story, sure. Um, because I know that it uh, it can't have been an easy decision to move out of corporate and into uh, self sustaining entrepreneurship. Was it an overnight decision, or was it something that happened over time for you? No, it kind of happened by accident. To be honest, I mean, I loved what I did. I was in sales. I was in uh, sales. I would go out and meet with. I was in supply chain. So I met with manufacturers mm-hmm. and distributors and I got to learn a, sh- a, a shit ton about <laughs> business because we did everything from, you know, uh, polymer pellets to ladders to um, just, you know, cake circles. Like I used to work for a manufacturing company. They were ended up being my customer, which is pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, I worked there at the factory with my dad and they ended up being one of my clients, but we used to make those, gold cake circles and Uh and rectangles and cake boxes that everyone gets. We used to pack those, make those and pack those. I would bring them to my uh, high school parties and we'd whip them around like Frisbees and (laughs) jack people up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I loved the logistics world to a degree. I learned a ton about business that way. I ran my own P and L whenever I got to manage my own station. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But, you know, in corporate America, they always try to put you on that hamster wheel and make you run a little bit faster for the yeah. same amount of money. Yeah. And, and they all say unlimited earning potential. They all have a cap in their mind. So um, I, I, I started to get pretty hard to manage at the end of my corporate career. Uh, I actually called my old boss one time. He's a mentor. He's a lender of mine. We do business together. And uh, I apologized to him because I heard my wife on a conference call one day. And I heard all these people, this is a 90,000 employee company. So it's a big company, mm -hmm. but they're all giving the same old lip service that, you know, those canned responses that, that like Saturday night live would make fun. Yeah. Of, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was, I, I wanted to just get on her conference call and start yelling at people. Will you actually say something of substance? Cause it was nothing. And, uh, but that rate, like that, that frustration set in. I would I would blow up conference calls when I it, it like the tail end of my career. So I called my boss right away. I'm like, hey, I was a pretty hard person to manage, wasn't I? He's like, You're just now figuring that out. <laughs> so it was a pretty fun conversation, but um, but yeah, did that. You know, it's funny. Like I know a lot of your entrepreneurs and people that we know in the Apex Network. You know, mm -hmm. it kind of took to hit rock bottom for them to realize what their potential was. And I'll be honest, I never went through that. Like I built a pretty good life. Um, you know, we're in the suburbs, you know, one wife, two kids, two daughters, you know, pretty good life, nice house. Right. So honestly, in my eyes, I feel like that's harder and we made good money. She makes good money. Like she makes six digits. I make six digits. Like it was harder for me to break away from that. Like yeah, I asked yeah. for her permission I asked for her support. Uh, I can't even tell you how many times she got frustrated with me. She's like, just do it. And, uh, but it was very difficult for me to, to leave that security of a, you know, where you're making whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars and uh, see if you can really do it on your own because you're conditioned to think you cannot do it on your own, you know, coming from where I come from. Well, it's, a, you know, especially starting out it's a lot easier not to do it on your own it's a lot easier to take that job when when i first went like and jumped um i left a career in the oil field when i was making anywhere 140 to 160 a year every year and that's a huge jump to go man i'm gonna lose this much of my income yeah. if i if i get this wrong so yeah. what was that feeling like for you man you know it it was all about timing for me. Like I really wanted to build up my uh, passive income or whatever. Rentals are really not that passive the way I do it because I'm <laughs> a management company and construction company. But I wanted to to get my rentals to where, you know, my my in my head it was always that six digit number. So I just mm -hmm. wanted to have like about six, you know, a hundred thousand dollars that I could count on because I knew I could afford my lifestyle. Right. 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 So I got my rental portfolio. When I left, I had 30 rental units and, and they were producing pretty good. And then I could do a flip or two or four or five or 10, yeah. you know, depending upon how, how the, the market was going. And uh, the timing was just right. Num number one, I just started to be too involved in real estate and I had to leave because I was cheating on both things. I was cheating on my passion. I was cheating on my job. I right, feel right. right about it. Um, but I got two really good leads on flips, right? And I knew I was going to hit on them pretty nice. Mm -hmm. So I just said, hey, I'm just going to, I know I'll be able to probably get close to 100,000 just with these flips on top of the rentals, on top of the hard money lending, which we also do. And uh, 
so the timing was just right and that that enabled me to um take that take that leap but it took me a good five or six years working having real estate as my side hustle to get comfortable with taking the leap so you had them going both both at one time and yeah yeah that, so i was making good money at my corporate job being in sales and especially on the road sales i had a ton of flexibility i looked at houses probably almost daily <laughs> manage projects so yeah i know not everyone tied to the desk can do that but if you're in sales like you know you probably have the best quality of life out there for a corporate america guy and guy or gal and, and uh give some flexibility to make some side hustle moves yeah i mean and what better side hustle than put into uh, to put into real estate so but you weren't successful Overnight, you were successful over time. And I think that's what a lot of people miss is the fact that it took you six years of building a portfolio and working a regular job. Was, 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 was that a strain on your relationship? Yes, no question. You know, I, I mentioned all the things I was successful at, right? You know, uh, uh, I was working so hard. Like, like I was working all day and then all the evenings, mm -hmm. all the weekends were working or entertaining like entertaining sports sales so um yeah my wife didn't love that and and uh you know we've been married i think this is going to be 17 years or something like that and it's been you know we've some good years and bad years in that string and and uh you know being in sales especially growing up in the trucking world you know you when you entertain you go out and drink that that's part of your job and uh i'm not the best version of myself when uh i do that on a, on a regular basis so i've curtailed that quite a bit in, in the past years but yeah it was certainly a strain on the family i wasn't as present as i am now i'll uh i'm gonna circle back to that after the show i want to i want to talk to you a little bit more about that uh that those, those sales years um but in this transition where you moved over to real estate, um, was there anything that hit you that you didn't expect? I never thought I'd have this many employees. I think we're up to about, we're, we're, we're somewhere around, right around 20. I don't know mm. if that's the exact number, but we're hiring a few more. So never envisioned having this many employees, never envisioned paying as much as I do in health, you know, health insurance <laughs> for employees. And, it's uh, it's strange how that works. Yeah, <laughs> the the ancillary costs of, of employing people. I mean, everyone just looks at their hourly rate wage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is way more than that. I mean, it's it's insane, especially in real estate because you you know you got carpenters, so their workers' comp rates higher, especially in Pennsylvania, which is more mm -hmm. labor state. So they're um, they they certainly hit you. Then you have your property taxes. The property taxes are you know. Um, I, I don't even know what they are. Last year they were six figures, but this year it'll be insane with what, with what you yeah what you've done this year yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so all those other costs outside of you know everyone focuses on and I love the number, but everyone focuses on what that gross profit number is. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that chip away at that. Oh that yeah. Gross profit. Yeah. So yeah. You I think just, that's the biggest thing. It's that's easy though. You just gotta make more money, right? That's my mantra, bro. You know, I always say, I, I think I told you on the pronounce, you know, pronouncing, pronouncing my last name, right? That's it. Like, yeah. Cost a lot of money. Well, <laughs> that's true. And, and I, I've tried spreadsheets. I've tried budgets. I've tried reasoning. I've tried yelling. I just need to make more money. Just, yeah. You, you uh, don't have a spend, you don't have a spending problem, man. You got an income problem. That's it. <laughs> 
she's down in uh she's down in Dallas for the women's event. Today. Oh, good lord! I, I bet yeah, you... guess what she guess guess what she toured. Uh, something uh, fancy not. and electric. Tesla, yeah, Tesla, about, uh, Tesla S. A, a Porsche 911. That was my first guess, and I was like, nah. She, <laughs> I'm like, nah. She she would have got something environmentally friendly. I was going Can with 911, and I'm like, nah. Yeah. She would she would have got something environmentally friendly, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could probably just see your Amex bill just chuck, 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 chuck. Oh, uh, you know. It's all right. You only live one time. I'll make sure she listens. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so back on track real quick. You are now, like, I mean, you've, you've come out the gate so hard this year. You, you did some major, major, major moves this year. Um, there's probably a lot of people that listen to this that are interested in real estate investing um, as a whole. Now, how did you get started and buy your first house? And what advice have you got for someone that's listening that goes, you know what, maybe I fancy a little go at this? Yeah. I'll say this. You need to choose what you want to do if, if you want to be in real estate. There's a million ways you can make money in real estate. And that's, that's kind of the problem. No one really defines what angle they're going to take. Right. And you need to, you need to invest something. Is it going to be your sweat? meaning your hard work? Is it going to be your money? Is it going to be both? Can you do both? If you're in that position, that's great. I was thankfully in the position where I can invest sweat and not sweat. I didn't swing a hammer. I've never worked on any of my houses. I'll make the little address plaques. That's about as <laughs> sweat equity as I get from that standpoint. But I'm talking about going and sourcing your deals mm-hmm. and managing subs, managing the, you know, GCing the job basically. Right, right, right. Um, and then I had a home equity line of credit that I got started with. So if you're in that position where you can throw your money at it, you're in a, a little, you're in a better position that you can get someone else to come in and do the hard work, right, give them right. a small piece or just pay them well as a GC. Um, so you need to define number one, do you want to do flips? Do you want to do rentals? Do you want to do lending? How active or passive do you want to be in your investing? Mm-hmm. Do you want to buy turnkey or do you want to buy a fixer upper? Like I had to buy, fixer uppers to create that wealth. I didn't right, have right. wealth. I mean, I had a home equity line of credit of uh, like 120 some thousand dollars. Good to get started in PA, PA, trust me, but not like that. You could use all of that in one or two small deals. So it's not scalable by any stretch. So I had to create wealth. Um, so I had to put in the sweat equity in addition to the money. So Again, you need to decide how passive or active you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to define, are you going to do flips? Are you going to do rentals? Are you going to do hard money lending? Are you going to do development? You need to pick one to start, in my opinion. Because right, so many right. people go in, they try to find deals. And they, they have, they're they so deal scarce that they try to do whatever that strategy is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'll do a rental this time. I'll do a flip this time. And then they never get good. And then they get discouraged because ultimately we're all going to stub our toe. Oh yeah. You, you never get good in your strategy because you didn't focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I flipped, I flipped quite a few houses and the last flip I did, was an absolute nightmare. Um, just, yeah. just contract a problem after contract a problem. And it ran about 30,000 over budget. Um, the fact that we had built that in and we, there was more profit in the deal than that. It was, it was a good day still when we closed, but uh, you don't always smash them out of the park. Um, nope. Now, what tips have you got for some first timers to avoid losing money on their first flip? 
I could give you a ton of tips. But I think one of the things that most people get into trouble with is being optimistic on <laughs> what the, the, the shape of the property is. Yes. So they'll yes. look past, they won't even camera the sewer. Mm-hmm. They'll look past the fact that the, the, it's as best as siding or, or they look past so many things because they're so deal starved that they, they will rationale themselves into buying something that they shouldn't have. So the numbers might've worked, but you, 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 I mean, let's be honest, I've done it. Like I've ignored stuff and yeah. I ended up fixing it anyway. Yeah, I, I did too. I did last, the last residential real estate flip I lost money on was 2005. And uh, I lost about 14 grand, which at the time, as a 25-year-old, was a significant amount of the uh, the money I had. Sure. And yet, I, I paid $14,000 for a lesson. You know, that that, yeah. that was my lesson. And it was because, like you said, I was deal-starved. I, I had just closed one flip. I needed another flip to buy. And uh, I, I went against my gut, you know. <laughs> just and, and, that's, and so that's one thing. And then the other thing especially for first timers. Everyone watches HGTV. Oh goodness, like, yeah. <laughs> don't overimprove it, right? Mhm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these houses do not look like they are staged whenever people actually move in. Mm-mm. You know, they're essentially painted walls and decent flooring and some light fixtures. If you want to if you want to spice it up, do it on light fixtures and, and some plumbing fixtures. But like don't go crazy with things. You know, I mean, do what, do what the comps tell you to do. Yeah. Don't, don't try to win a design award. No, dude, I've, I've seen that. I've seen it happen to people where they, they come all out and they spend a fortune on the countertops and the cabinets and everything looks like a, you know, and they're putting twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 kitchens in these things. You're like, man, the house is still only going to sell for uh, 300 grand. You better be careful. You know, I, I, I live, uh, you know, I, and with some people that have some pretty decent, you know, houses, they can't tell the difference between what I'm putting in my flips versus the, the stuff they're getting mm-hmm. when they're building their houses. They can't tell the difference. In fact, one of my very good friends, he has a house. I mean, it's, it's, it's very nice. It's like over 4,000 square feet, which is big. In PA. That's big. That's, um, that's big anywhere. Yeah. They, they just finished their basement. They got literally the same brand of cabinets that I put in all my flips and even rentals. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Don't over improve it. Don't, don't try to, the big thing that people get caught up in is, is the, uh, the bathrooms, right? They tile yeah. everything. Oh God. Yeah. And they'll use 15, $20 a square foot tile. And, and it just doesn't get you that much more money. No, it's funny. Cause I'm laughing, but like, this is like, this is shit I've lived through, man. These are mistakes. These are mistakes that I made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing at it because it's, I can, I can see the fucking, I can see the flips. I can see the bathrooms that you're describing because I've done it. <laughs> uh, listen, all the mistakes that if, 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 if anyone wonders, like I've made every mistake that you, you can do. Yeah. I bought the houses with 20 steps up to the front door and, and the house is going to be beautiful. People will walk. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like no one wanted those steps, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, uh, the last flip we did, um, yeah, we took a gamble on it. It was a two-story home in a retirement community, you know, upstairs master. It, yeah. it, took, it took some creativity to get it sold, you know, but like you just, I kind of looked past that because there was so much equity in the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, and sometimes it works. I mean, I, I won't say, I'm just saying if, if you're starting out, that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, like, the, the most common mistake everybody's starting out is? Do you, do you think it's just spending too much on the remodels? Uh, I, would, I would say between that and just paying too much for the property. Right now, they're paying too much for the property to begin with. Well, yeah, that's that's tricky, though, in this market. Today's real estate market is, is, is what I term as challenging. Um, yeah. it, it's quite a ways out of balance from where you would think it would it, be. You know, it's weird because usually you're always racing against the clock. When I was first starting, I was I was investing scared. So, I mean, I was on these contractors. My turnaround times were close to close almost just like 90 days. Like, mm -hmm. I was in and out of these places. That's the, that's the gold standard. That's what we, we used to try to do when, when we were It is, but now months. if you hold it, you're almost rewarded. Yeah, yeah. Because the market's been crazy. It's When's the... The carousel going to stop but uh yeah it's been it's been kind of opposite i i just had a friend i talked to yesterday he had a he bought a property in like 17 or 18 held on to it this long it was cheap but he did everything to it and yeah it sold it sold for nearly three hundred thousand over what he purchased it for so wow well i just i mean just since 18 uh the market i'm in our average sales price has gone from two hundred and thirty four thousand uh to three hundred and thirty nine thousand for our wow. average sales price in, in just four years. And it's not because they're building a bunch of $600,000 houses. Like yeah. it's, you know, the, the normal houses, like you, the you entry be, market has gone up significantly in Pittsburgh as well. Our entry level stuff is, is 220 to 260. Like yeah. base model entry level, cheapest shit you can get. And yeah. it's, it, you know, five years ago that bought a nice middle of the road house and there was plenty of stuff in the 150 to 200 range, but those, those, right. those, those are all gone, pal. Those are all There's gone. houses I'm flipping that people are selling a year later for 50 to $70,000 more. It's, it's mind numbing. Maybe I just need to buy more houses. So <laughs> talking of buying houses, right? There's what's known as ARV, which is after repaired value. And then there's the cost of repairs that you've got to take into account. And then there's your purchase price you've got to take into account. When I was doing this, there was always a gold standard percentage of around 70%. That mm -hmm. was as much money as you wanted to invest. Is that still the case or has that changed a little bit with the market maybe? I'm, I'm still using that and that's why a lot of realtors hate me. Um, <laughs> So I, I don't I mean, hate you, buddy. I don't hate you. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm talking. The ones that bring me deals don't, they're like, they don't love that conservative approach. I, and it wasn't conservative, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, 10% is gone in costs, right? Oh, yeah. Whatever that ARV is yeah. between selling costs and just holding costs and things, 10% is gone. So if yeah. you're not making that 30% spread, like, you want to do this, all this work for 10%? I, I don't. Mm -mm. No. So I, I'd rather no. not do the flips. That's why I've gravitated more towards buy and hold uh, versus the flips. I, I do way less flips than I used to, and, and that's on purpose right now. Well, I mean, who wouldn't buy and hold right now? I mean, come on. That's been crazy, <laughs> man. I, we we um, to, to do this big deal that we closed at the end of last year, I refinanced three or four properties. They all appraised. These are ones I bought like five, six years ago, six mm -hmm. years ago, seven, maybe 300% of what I had to go is mm. what they praised for. It's, it's insane. And this is Pittsburgh. I mean, we're, when I started, we would bank on 3% appreciation. Right. Wow. I mean, that's just you get that a month. <laughs> so tell me about 
this buy and hold strategy that you've got now and let's talk a little bit about the deals that you've been doing man because you've been really uh putting the uh, pedal to the floor this last 12 months sure you know it's funny when i quit my job i had 30 units i think i mentioned that before mm-hmm. and um that was at the end of 2018 so uh at the beginning so at the beginning of 2021 i had 81 units so i'd been grown from 30 to 81 units in a couple of years, which I was super happy with. My goal right. last year was to get over 100 units for sure. Um, by like the end of first quarter, I ended up getting there by the end of the second quarter. And then ultimately, I've, I've been, for the last two years, been studying on how to do apartment syndications. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be over 200 units. And I worked on a deal for many, many months, but it, it, it closed and we are, uh, I think we're somewhere around 417 right now. Uh, Say that one more time. How many units do you have now? We have 417 within 400, plus two or three. 417. And, uh, yeah. Le- less than, less than four years after leaving your job to come do this full time. Yeah. It's honestly, it's, it's tough. And that's why <laughs> I have my, like, uh, my saying no finish line because we're, we're doing more than I ever thought I would, would. Be. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's fun, but I mean, we have one in the hopper now, man, it could put us pretty close to 700. So we'll, we'll Oof. see how it goes. That's crazy. That that's a lot. So what I need to do is start finding three and 400, uh, uh, unit deals for sale and just come bring them to you. Right. That's it, man. <laughs> that's all, you know, just give it 70% less repairs. We're good. <laughs> bravo bravo so what does day-to-day look like for you because you got 417 rental units you got a construction company as well you got a property management company tell me what your day looks like dude the day-to-day is has evolved so much over the past year uh i used to be on project sites quite a bit um one of the apps that we used has enabled me to manage from afar quite a bit it's called company cam um, and even my old school carpenters love this app for some reason, because they can see what everyone else is doing because they take a picture of everything and it sends it up to the cloud, doesn't store on their phone. So it doesn't take up space. You can annotate on it, draw, uh, draw arrows to things, circle them. You can, you know, draw free form. You can that's type really cool. It's, it's I've never fantastic. heard of this. What's it called? Uh, company cam. I highly recommend it for anyone that's doing real estate or construction or anything else. It's, it's, it was game changer for us. I like that. So I, I did hire a project manager for this that I was initially looking to bring him on as property manager. He's more of a CapEx guy and we have a ton of CapEx. We've already spent uh, close to $500,000 on this, this uh, value add that we're doing on the 305 portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, really changed the way my day-to-day is gone because he's managing all the capex now and i uh i actually showed this to my 13 year old daughter and 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 him as well because i got a good idea from a friend on how to do better scopes of work and keep people focused on a a daily and weekly basis Mm -hmm. and he would kind of took offense to it that i was because he's been productive he's been doing a good job but he kind of took offense to the fact that i was coming in on his territory a little bit. And I said, you need to understand something. I don't want to be on the day to day. I'm telling you, this is a good way to look at it. I said, I looked, I pulled up Google maps and I went out to the whole area. I said, I'm looking at this view and I'm 
I'm pointing to all the, the properties that we own. And I'm like, this is my view. I said, you're going to be down to this portfolio. And I zoomed in. I said, you need to think about how our carpenters and maintenance people are thinking about it. We zoom in even more and Google or, you know, Google Earth doesn't go in that far. Right. I said, you're looking at the lines in a room. They're, they're looking at the scope of work in a room versus the way we're looking at things. So you need to communicate differently. So my day-to-day has, has been more, you know, 30,000 foot view. I, I said that term for so many years and really didn't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm trying to do now is, is hire a CFO and some other key components because um, our good friend, Sammy Knight told me I, get, I need to reduce the number of direct reports that I have. Yeah. And right now agree. I have too many. Yeah. 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 The, the, Man, me having a operations director, and you know, I don't have nearly as many staff as you. Uh, I know I've got eight, so nine, ten, probably eleven or twelve now hanging out around here doing yeah. stuff. Um, but having an operations manager and having a production manager and having them in management roles to where, like, I am almost completely out of fulfillment in both of my companies. That's wonderful. Like, just having somebody there to do that to 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 address the correct level of employee has has been a game changer for me as as it has for you so um it's interesting that you talked uh, a little bit about uh, a little bit about this year and your upcoming plans tell me where do you go from 417 units man what does the future have in in store for you what are, what are you trying to do here so I mean, certainly to buy more units. I mean, if we get this building, if I get the, the we're pretty close on the deal right now. So if I get this this new building, I'm bringing on higher level people. So I will have good direct reports that will uh, help get us to the level that we need to be on a on a like an enterprise level to where we have a real good. I don't have to be as involved on things. Right, I can, right. I can spend more time on that that visionary type. Um, those decisions right that that's really what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to set up our our enterprise systems so that i can just spend time my goal is to spend time training salespeople, really acquisitions people and 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 helping raise capital just going really hitting hard on doing more syndications and funds and things like that because that's ultimately what i'm good at i can do the operations I actually test very well in, in you know the rocket fuel crystallizer as mm-hmm. a uh, visionary and and an integrator. I can mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, it's just I'm not as detail oriented on the the uh, the integrator side of things, so I, I struggle there a bit. But that that whole rocket fuel thing is just, it's. <laughs> it's like a catch twenty two because I was the same as you. I scored relatively relatively high on both of them, and um, but I liked what you said about the best use of your time being being the sales and being the capital and being being the face of the operation and moving away from actually being the operations guy and that is like a, a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs like really struggle to let go of um was there some kind of catalyst oh you haven't made it yet. i was gonna say was there some kind of catalyst that, that let you know it was okay to let go or are you still like <laughs> you know what crystallized it for me, Sam, was, was the last two flips that I did. Mm-hmm. I made the most money that I had in, you know, in those two previous flips. And there were a couple reasons for that. Number one, I had a badass sales rep, uh, uh, realtor who drives up the price. But number two, 
my guys ran the whole job. I'm telling you, the, my problem is every time I go into a place, I have a great heart and, and I like to do things the right way. I will go in and add stuff to the scope of work every time I walk through the door. Right. And, and that was really the problem. I always, I would create problems <laughs> to solve them almost. I, someone said that recently and I'm like, that, that was me. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, definitely looking at that, I had, I had to make some changes and, and not, so I very rarely go into the units anymore. I did. And the guys do love it. You know what I mean? They like seeing me and showing, showing off what they've done, mm-hmm. but I do it more from that standpoint to get rapport with them as opposed to yeah, trying yeah. to generate scopes of work. I, that's just uh, not, not my strength anymore. No, I, I totally get that. I totally get that, man. It's just like, it's so much better when you focus on what you're great at and then you allow other people to focus on what, what they're great at. So, you know, we don't learn all this by ourselves. And I know you've, you've mentioned a couple of our friends that are in the coaching game. Is there one particular mentor or two? Maybe don't make anybody jealous. Is there somebody that's really stuck out and that's helped you along with your career? Maybe a mentor, maybe a book, maybe something that you touched on. Sure. I mean, there's, there's no question. I mean, Sammy Knight's been, uh, uh, I call him my guardian angel. He's, he's a close friend to my, my wife now, my kids, like my daughters love Sammy. Mm. Uh, you know, I keep talking almost weekly. I keep meaning to get him on the show. Um, <laughs> he said, yes, I've said yes. And no book and links materialize yet, but, uh, I love Sammy. He's a freaking great dude, man. Great dude. He, he has so much knowledge that it, it's, it's tough to comprehend. Um, so yeah, no question. He is my mentor. I have, um, a bunch of mentors that have helped me in different stages of my life. I had mentioned that boss that I used to have Mm -hmm. in trucking who, um, ended up being my first lender. You know, he, I I love telling the story because he gave me a check for 60 grand. That was my first private lender. His hand was shaking. Mm -hmm. His hand was shaking as he was giving it to me. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, just take it before I change my mind. (laughs) But he, uh, he helped me for many years. I mean, shit, when I was 23 years old, I got a, I went to a company entertainment and he said, I'm going to drive you home. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Cause in my mind at that point, like I'm working, so I'm okay to drive home. I've got to be at work in the morning. Right. right. I ended up getting a DUI that night. Oh, wow. It was a fortune 500 company. I should have lost my job and he saved my job and I'll, I'll never forget that. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been fortunate with mentors and, and listen, you attract mentors when you exhibit the behavior on a consistent and daily basis. Like I had, I knew I had to outwork everyone. I had nothing given to me. And the only way I was going to be successful is if I outworked all of my peers. And I, I wasn't that competitive type. I just wanted to be as good as I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had fun doing what I was doing. I love sales. But you're right, though. I mean, if you if you show up on time and you do the work, the the mentors just kind of appear. the The teacher shows up when you're ready for the lesson. It's listen. I love mentoring people, but I don't love you know. I, I don't want to say this to discourage people from reaching out to me, but I can see who's hustling and who's not. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when people DM me and say, Hey, can I buy you a coffee? Yeah. My knowledge is worth more than $5. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've sat down with some people and, and it wasn't about a coffee or a dinner or a lunch. 
Like I can see that they're working, whether I'm there or not. Yep. Those are the people I will spend time on. Those are the people that I will spend time on. Um, and, and we have some goals with that as we start to elevate ourselves. I'm, I'm a big believer in put your mask on first, like in an airplane, right? So <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. My family is good. And once my family is good and, and, it, and you know, we're, we're good now, but I want to, I want to make it a mission to help people that grew up like me that didn't have those examples of people that could just explain a couple key factors. It's still going to be your grind. It's still going to be your hard work to get you to where you need to be, but just those small pieces of advice that really make you know that it's possible to get where no one else in your family or friends has gotten to. Yeah. It's no, no. not, there's not that large of a, a, there's not that big of a degree of difference between someone that's starting out quite frankly in the hood and getting in the suburbs. There's not that big degree of difference. And actually my daughter grew up in the suburbs. She has a pretty easy life. And I tell her, I said, there are city kids and she's a boxer now. And they, they fight a lot of, you know, city, city gyms, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said, there are city kids every day working their ass off way harder than you to get where you're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that was what got me to where I was like, I always just had that, that I didn't always have that work ethic, but uh, maybe later in my teen years and, and certainly college um, is, is where I kind of find my group, found my groove. Dude, I worked all the time as a kid because to me, work equal money, you know, and then money equal beer. And, we... <laughs> <laughs> and you do, you, you grow to the level of your mentors and the, the guys that mentored me went to the pub the whole time. So, you know, I was, I was 14 when I bought my first round in a bar and it just about broke me because it was a week's worth of paper route money. But they, wow. were, you know, <laughs> but you, you grow to the level of your mentors and it's only through finding more and more advanced mentors that you can actually keep growing. And for, for me, when, when I mentor people, you know, I don't let people pick my brain for a coffee for $5. Um, I open up my calendar and I, I allow people to book coffees and you know, sure. it's, a, it's, it's a, how can I help meeting? It's a sales meeting. Um, but man, there's nothing more rewarding than mentoring someone that works and there's nothing more soul destroying than mentoring somebody that won't lift a finger. So you have yeah. to be very, very careful, uh, very careful with who you choose. So that said, and mentoring, um, you know, if you've got somebody you're mentoring, what's a good little productivity hack that you like to share with some people that you might be mentoring? What's something that they can do to uh, to just improve their productivity during the day? Yeah, one of the big things, and I I love the the term hack, but it's it's very simple. You know, um, take a whatever. I use a remarkable now, but I used to use a just you know kind of like a book with line sheets. Dude. And, uh, I, I gotta interrupt, dude. Remarkable is life changing. The re just I, go, I love it. Just so get that's one. Where I'm just get one. <laughs> but I would write all of the stuff, the, the high level stuff that I need to get done for the week coming up, mm -hmm. and then I will actually plug those into the days. Now I'm not as good on the time blocking and stuff like that because I get calls all the time, and I'm still too involved in the business. Yeah. To really time block, to be honest, and, and maybe that's me creating my own problems. Maybe yeah. make myself too available, but. Yeah. I'm not there yet. We'll, we'll say that. But <laughs> I do try to break down. I'm pretty good at prioritizing. Um, so prioritizing is, is certainly not a hack, but it's definitely a skill set that has 
um, benefited me because I could spend my time on a thousand things a yeah. day. I have this? to crystallize it down to like four or five. Can you see that that whole calendar? My entire day, every, yeah. it's all every single day. Time blocking for me and, and managing that has been probably the single most effective thing too. I you know, yeah. but I I actually have an assistant that fills my calendar up, and if there's gaps on it. Um, but one thing you said about uh, I'll, I'll have to buy you a coffee and find out how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, it's more than five dollars. Uh, <laughs> but like for real, one of the uh, one of the things it's done for me is, is having somebody do that is I have set times in the day where I reply to phone calls. Like if yeah. it's emergency, emergency, of course you can get a hold of me. Like, of course. But I have set times in the day for calling leads and for mm -hmm. sales calls. I have set times in the day for calling clients and addressing problems. And then I have set meeting times. And it's honestly, dude, like it's got me out of the, 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 the uh, tempest of daily operations and it allows me to respond yeah. to everything properly and that's um, fantastic and and i need to get there i know i need to get there um drewby gave a good talk at one of the flying fridays and and uh been wanting to implement it, it ever since well it I was Matt, it was drewby's talk i i i put my calendar together after talk, one of thomas's talks and uh of course, it was Drewby's talk last month or the month before that said, hey, man, you know what? You really need to stack this. And uh, yeah. that's when, because I got pretty lax about letting my phone ring. I just answered the phone. Yeah. Um, but no, now everything, I mean, I've set periods where I get inbound lead calls and all this stuff. I mean, it, it, it's great having it all, uh, having it all lined out. Man. One thing I've done recently with my team, because again, I have probably too many direct reports. I was getting calls from my project manager like all the time. Mm-hmm. He was letting me know what he was getting done. I think he, you know, he wanted a little pat on the back, maybe. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, he wanted me to know that stuff's getting taken care of, and I appreciate that a lot, right? right. If if I don't know it, sometimes you question it, right? Um, so we've used, we've gone to these different group chats uh, within WhatsApp. I'm sure most people are familiar with WhatsApp, mm -hmm. but voice messages, man. Instead of calling me and disrupting what I'm in. Yeah. Send me a voice message when I'm able to process it. I will get back to you. It's been a game changer. He fought it at first. I kept pushing him there. I said, I can't pick up the phone anytime you call. And then uh, another office manager, um, I needed to train him because there was no one else to do it. And uh, I said, look, I need you to communicate with me, but I, it can't be, I'm not going to be face to face with you all the time. So now we got a WhatsApp thing going and mm -hmm. it's been beautiful. So um, yeah, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've, record, I've recorded video messages to my whole team and sent them out that way. It's been fantastic. It's actually been a big productivity uh, benefit to us. You, you, know, you know, what's really funny about that, man, is <laughs> like you can uh, you can send voice messages by text, and people will look at the text and listen to the voice message, but nobody nobody checks their voicemail. No, <laughs> I I don't. My, think, my voicemail was full for three months straight. Dude, mine says, ha for, for the quickest response, hang up and send a text. That's what mine yeah. says. And yet we've come full circle in that now people are texting people voicemails, which uh, it just, it's amazing. So I'm uh, mostly driving, so the voice, the voice message is best for me because the voice to text does not work with my yeah. Pittsburgh Ginzer accent. You should try it with a British accent, mate. 
<laughs> does not work does not work um all right i let's keep this moving i got a couple more questions for you pal um i want to know like in the in the go back to investing real quick and for somebody getting started um are there any specific tools or software that you use to to find deals or do you use a real estate agent to find them or, or how do you go about finding the things that uh, that you're going to invest in Finding deals is, has evolved, right? Um, I used to get a lot of my leads from Google AdWords, um, mm -hmm. driving into my website landing page. Uh, we use Pipedrive as a CRM. There's mm -hmm. a million CRMs. I like Pipedrive because it's more visual. I like Pipedrive. That's what we use around here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. So those, um, Honestly, the biggest thing for me is the MLS, but it's it's not because I'm finding deals on the MLS. It's mm -hmm. the it, uh, access to information. Yes. So being able to actually do comps without having to ask someone to pull them up for me, because <laughs> I can't imagine why realtors. Anyway, I we won't get into that. Anyway, oh, I'm MLS access. Please, please do. You'd be surprised that 90% of realtors are out of the business within 18 months, man. <laughs> this, no. Well, yeah, statistic, key statistic I heard was the average realtor makes 20 grand, which means a lot of them are making Yeah, less making less than that. I, I thought it was uh, 28, but anyway, it's, it's not this very was, much. This was like when I first got into it. So you're... you're Don't be it, average. Problem yeah. solved. You know, I am my... Yeah, but as far as finding deals... Um, at the end of the day, the biggest thing that changed my game was social media, mm. posting, following the build your machine method. Yeah. Now people come to me with deals. Uh, that is how I'm finding the majority of my deals right now, as opposed to me actually doing the outbound marketing and things like that. So now I am hiring a salesperson or acquisitions person, like I mentioned before. Um, so we will do that outbound, but I, can't go look at houses all the time so right, right. from a technology right. standpoint i guess social media would be my answer make sure people understand what you're looking for um and and whenever you do get a project post it out there so people know that you're a real deal dude i like that I, maybe maybe i'll do some more flips i don't know i haven't done i saw my last one about uh i can't remember several months ago now uh, january yeah. i think i you saw my last one, one. Yeah. I've just been busy, like, you know, small business surgeon and trying to figure out a book and scaling this media company and scaling a real estate, you know, just, I'll just do a flip when I get to it. Yeah. I, I love it. I love the chase. I love the fun. I love the smell, like just cleaning out sheetrock and knocking down walls and doing whatever it takes. And, uh, you know, my last one, dude, I've got no reason whatsoever to do any labor at all. None. Yeah. But like there was a, I mean, it was a, a, a almost a four-month project, but there was a couple of days where I was just like, right, fuck it, rolled up my sleeves, go swing some hammers, go have some fun, because I grew up in construction, you know? Um, yeah. And, and it's nice to have the freedom and the ability to just be able to take off work and go and, and poke holes in sheetrock every now and again, you know? What, what's it what's it like working on uh, properties? I mean, you're, you're from the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very different. Very yeah. different. I would uh, imagine. Our construction is all different. Um, most of the houses are made of brick and block. So there'll be a, a block layer, and then there'll be an air gap, which is filled with insulation, uh, foam insulation, and then the exterior will be brick. But the uh, most houses are built out of solid, solid blocks. Um, 
timber construction and, and, and that. Uh, you, you see it on interior rooms. You'll see sheetrock and stuff, sure, on interior walls, but all the exteriors. Like the house I grew up in was built in the, in the early 1800s and had walls that in some places were over two feet thick. Like so, yeah. They, they, it's it's entirely different. It's a lot. We've got harder. million dollar houses with foam panels instead of plywood. <laughs> on the it's unbelievable Jeez. to see. No, I mean the the stuff the stuff where I grew up, it, it was built to last. Everything everything was just just old. Like and then when they build new houses now because they don't want to ruin the aesthetics of the village and the villages and the towns where people live when they build new houses they all have to fall in line with with the planning permission so that even the brand new houses are still made out of stone man and yeah we've got all we've got the pex water lines and we've got the 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 energy saving stuff and like we're not like we, you know we're, we're not totally outdated and backwards it's just like y'all use wood and in 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 England, at least, it's all brick and stone. It's it, that's that's the biggest difference, man. That's the, yeah. the biggest thing I see. Uh, I got yeah. a chance to go over to uh, Ireland in 2018, and it was, yeah, it just was eye opening so, to say the least. Well, know? that's why I live in America. Is like because I've got a British accent, so I'm popular. If I went back home, if, if went back home, I just sound the same as everyone else. You see, so that's so. If you went to Ireland, Dan, you'd you'd probably have like a thousand units by now because everyone would like you for your accent. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, are you from Pittsburgh? I love that accent. Yeah, <laughs> that was thirty-five pounds heavier there. We 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 hit fifty pubs in ten days. Oh Jesus! Actually, that's only five a day. Two point, yeah. That's that's kind of hustling. Um, but it's a good time different lifestyle my man all right um just a few more things i need to know from you um and you know i'm a huge huge proponent of continuing education so aside from brandon brittingham's book um have you read any good books recently that you would like to recommend to the listeners you know uh there's i have so many books that i love but um the road less stupid oh i've never heard of that one by Keith by? Cunningham is really, really amazing. Uh, he he will go through um, a statement, then he'll tell a story behind it, and then he he literally, you know, I do audiobooks. He says, right, right. Now stop the book and go think about it, and it's it's just a really profound way of doing it, you know. For me, uh, I I love that book, but a lot of very good. Uh, advice and tips and based off of experiences like our friend Sammy Knight you know I mean this guy's been through the shit right mm -hmm. so you're you're gonna get real advice and stuff that you can actually apply to your business if you're open-minded and um, uh, dedicated to improving well dude I'm gonna um, I'm gonna check that out the road less stupid I uh, I don't feel bad at all that I get the majority of my educational material from podcast guest recommendations. Uh, I love it. <laughs> good. That's a good one I don't hear, hear uh, mentioned very often, but it's an excellent book. Yeah, I've not heard of that, so I'm excited to uh, to check that out. So I have one question that I always ask everybody before we wrap up a show. This uh, this podcast, The Small Business Surgeon, it's aimed at people that are you know five, maybe ten, even maybe fifteen years behind us in the business world, and it's about letting them know that you know what what you're going through right now might be hard but it's uh, it's all worth it at the end of the day 
Is there a piece of advice that you'd like to uh, to reach back to, to Dan following you 10 years ago and, uh, and give him some advice? Is there anything you'd like to say to him? Ugh. Buy more real estate for sure. Um, I, I wish I would have loaded up. I don't know if I was ready for it, to be honest, but that, that's one piece of advice that's pretty easy to say. The, the other one is, and I think we already spoke to it, get yourself out of the business is, is yeah. I want to say as quickly as possible. I mean, we all have to go through things to get where we are going, but document processes mm-hmm. is it. I, I have all these guys tell me, uh, well, I have my notes and I, I sent my maintenance guy around to all of our apartment building um, boilers and HVAC and hot water tanks and how to properly maintain it, right? I said, do not do this without writing down a list to make a schedule and then we're going to actually go back and record what mm-hmm. you need to do right. because I did not invest this money for you to know how to maintain this equipment. This is going to live beyond you and me mm-hmm. and, and documenting these processes is, has been huge for me. Um, it's something I think we're documenting processes better than most of the companies I've ever worked for. And that's really helped train new people because I don't have enough time to sit with everyone one-on-one. Yeah. And it's 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 gonna help take me out of the business and really make it a business as opposed to a job. I mean, and that's something people hate hearing. Uh, I have a very good friend who is my HVAC guy. He only started his business last year. He's kicking butt. We, we use him a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, you, you don't own a business, brother. You, you do own a job right now. And that's uh, the thing that I'm working to get out of every single day. Mm-hmm. My, my, my job is uh, my goal and the, the mission that I'm, the vision that I'm creating for my team is a couple fold, but I want to be able to go away from the business for a month or two and, and it run without me. We're not there yet. Mm. Man, I had the biggest, biggest shock when just a few weeks ago, I was forced out of my business for a couple of weeks for personal reasons. And, uh, damn if all the time we spent processing everything and proceduralizing everything didn't pay off and i'm like wait a minute i'm i, I don't actually have to hang out here at all <laughs> it was hey, the, big, the, the biggest truth, blessing isn't it? the biggest blessing yeah i i finally made that leap from own uh, having a job to owning a business and realizing it i didn't feel ready but when it happened the the crew stepped up and uh, it was the systems and processes that we'd spent so much time building that that really made the difference so you made it dude you make an excellent point dan man we are up on time my friend uh it's been an absolute privilege uh to hang out with you for the last hour um before we go though tell everybody that's listening where they can find you online and where they can follow your journeys sure i'm on all the socials uh but the easiest way to get to them is my website it's www.412ah.com got it and we will put those in the show notes as well all the links to your stuff dan thank you so much for coming and spending the time with us today and uh, and guys if you have any kind of real estate questions and you just want to uh, buy dan a coffee and pick his brain <laughs> let's load him up <laughs> you'll wait for weeks 
They're, he's great. So check out the link. We're going to put the link to his stuff into the show notes. Go show him some love. Uh, like some of his posts. Share some of his content because he really is a, a wealth of knowledge in real estate. Dan, thank you so much for your time today, sir. I really Thanks. appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it for today. Thank you so much to Dan for coming hanging out with us. And as always, thank you to you guys for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, do me a favor and uh, take a screenshot, post it on your Facebook or your Instagram stories. Uh, tag me at Small Business Surgeon and uh, just let the world know because it does help to get the message out and we can help change small business owners' lives. All right, that's it from me for this week. I will see you on Wednesday for Sam and Kyle. See what's up. It'll be good. Stay safe. the small business surgeon podcast if you've made it this far you clearly like it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the small business surgeon was recorded at texas media foundry in historic downtown Bryan, texas Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.